You're listening to Season 2 of the Live 360 Podcast with Tony Sutherland, and this is Episode 60. Hey guys, today I'm really excited because I'm going to share one of my latest episodes on YouTube, and every once in a while you'll hear me referring you back to the YouTube channel. I want you to go back and listen to it and check it out and watch these videos because each week on my YouTube channel, I post a powerful video um, building a case for the gospel of grace. It's a foundational teaching upon teaching. I want to help you understand the grace of God in the way that the new covenant reveals it to us as believers. You know, it helps us in every area of our life. Of course, you know, Live 360, my podcast here is all about helping people discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of their life. And when you discover the grace of God, when you really begin to get a new covenant revelation of what the gospel really means and how the apostle Paul was able to take the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus and to expound on and develop this thought post-resurrection. You know, Paul knew Jesus and had experienced Jesus post-resurrection. You know, the disciples had a pre-cross, pre-blood, pre-resurrection experience with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul all the benefits and the joy of knowing Christ in our heavenly state. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2 verse 6. That's the revelation you get with the gospel of grace, who you are. It's all about identity. It's all about living in the fullness of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, in the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon a man, but in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And man, what a discovery this is. And I've spent a better part of my life in ministry trying to do my best to help people understand what this gospel of grace really is all about. And honestly, I don't consider myself a teacher of grace. I consider myself a student of grace. I'm not an expert at grace. I'm just experienced at receiving it from God every single day of my life. I like to say it like this. I don't teach you the gospel. I want the gospel to teach you. You know, it's a powerful revelation when you realize what these New Testament verses really mean. You know, we go through all of our Christian walks sometimes and we don't even understand what we're reading in the New Testament, the benefits and the blessings of knowing Christ in our in our union with him. You know, the Bible says that the love of Jesus has been shed abroad in our hearts. Man, what a revelation that God's grace has literally infiltrated and covered every single area of our life. 
And that's what this whole podcast is about. And so every once in a while, I like to take you to what I'm talking about on my YouTube channel so you can get in on the good news. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1 verse 16. Did you know that when I'm declaring the good news to you, not about what a bad sinner you are, but what a good savior Jesus is, that good news infuses your life with power. And you know, uh, grace doesn't just save us. Grace keeps on saving us, building us and giving us power and wisdom and love and joy and the excitement of what the Christian life is really all about. I just think so many Christians are bored again. They're not born again. They're bored again. And the purpose of my YouTube channel is to get you excited about what Jesus is all about in your life. Man, it changed my life 12 years ago when I came into a revelation of the gospel of of grace. It literally turned my world upside down, revolutionized my life, revolutionized my ministry. And if you can just get a little taste, I pray today through this teaching that we're going to be talking about that God will literally set you on fire again, bring the joy that you've been missing into your Christian walk. And I believe that once you really get what grace is saying, you'll never be the same again. So let's jump into today's teaching from my YouTube channel. We're going to be talking about stop striving, stop striving, stop trying to make God happy, stop living a life of works and striving and sweating and beating the pavement over and over and over and getting no results in your life. Today, we're going to talk about stopping our striving, no more striving, You don't have to strive. You can rest in Jesus. Paul said, let's enter diligently to that rest. And grace teaches us to rest in Jesus. You know, when you rest in Jesus, the power of God goes to work for you. It steps up. It's your pinch hitter. And I got to tell you what, man, when you learn how to lay back into the grace of God, life takes on a whole new meaning. So let's jump into this teaching today. I know it's going to bless you. And so get your seatbelt on, buckle up, because we're going to go for a ride today talking about grace in the topic, Stop Striving. You know, there's a lot of irritated and frustrated and angry preachers out there that are trying to help control people's behavior and manage their sinful habits. And so they'll try to find scriptures in the Bible that will justify scaring people into living right. For instance, this one, God shall not always strive with man. And so people think that that means that God's going to give up. He's going to get tired of it once and for all, and he's just going to stop trying to fix you and help you. But that's not what this scripture means, and we're going to talk about that today, so let's jump into it. All right, guys, today we're going to address this whole issue of striving. I believe God wants you to stop striving. Child of God, God doesn't want you to strive anymore. He wants you to stop striving to get to heaven. Stop striving to stay saved. You're in. God took you out of sin and placed you in Jesus Christ. You don't have to strive to be saved. You don't have to strive to have a relationship with God. You don't have to strive to make him happy or to make him smile on you. He's already smiling on you. 
That passage that I'm referring to is found in Genesis 6 and 3. And it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Now, in context where this scripture shows up, it's talking about that God is limiting the years that man can live, you know, because prior to this scripture, uh, men were living in their 900s. Methuselah was 900 plus years old and men were living these long lives. And God decided that it would be better for the earth, better for society to limit the amount of years that man could live. So he numbered it at 120 years old. And there's a very few people today that are 100 and 20 years old. But more prophetically speaking, what God is saying early on in the Bible that there's going to come a day where I'm not going to strive with you anymore. I'm not going to wrestle with you and you're not going to have to strive with me. And what he's talking about there is a future coming of Jesus, that there's coming a day where you won't have to strive for salvation. You'll have to believe for it. There'll come a day when you won't have to work to earn your righteousness. You'll simply believe it and receive it through Jesus Christ. And this is a very early prophetic reference of Jesus, the good news that you don't have to strive with God anymore. You don't have to fight and wrestle with him. You know, uh, we find out that there are wrestling matches in the Old Testament where man was trying to get his relationship worked out with God and, and, and God always wins those matches. You can't win a wrestling match with God. And you know what God did? He sent his son to take the fall. He jumped into the ring and took the fall so that you wouldn't have to wrestle with God. You wouldn't have to fight him anymore. You wouldn't feel like you're in this contention with God to try to get things right. The striving needs to stop, child of God. You need to rest. Paul said, let us enter diligently to that rest. Christians need to be resting instead of wrestling. Let me say that again. Christians need to be resting instead of wrestling. You're not in a wrestling match with God. God has defeated your enemy. He's made it possible for you to just believe and receive. You see, in the old covenant, there was a lot of striving that was going on. You had to do everything just right. You had to do everything to its precise measurement and standard in order to be right with God. But what God did is he sent his perfect sacrifice once and for all to give his life for you so that you could be welcome into his presence with open arms, no more striving, no more fighting, no more wrestling. Simply stop where you are, receive him by faith, and you can stop striving to be righteous, to be saved, and to be holy. Some of you might be asking right here, yeah, but Tony, don't we need to strive to enter through that narrow door? Jesus said that in Luke chapter 13, verse 24. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Let me give you a brief synopsis of what's happening here. So Jesus is on a synagogue tour. He's going through the villages. He's stopping in the synagogues and he's sharing with them the good news of himself. And what he was saying in this scripture was right after he healed the paralytic woman. I call her the hunchback of the Sabbath day. This woman who had been paralyzed for 18 years comes into this synagogue and you know according to the law she wasn't even supposed to be in there because she was deformed and you know she was a social outcast. She wasn't allowed to be around religious people especially in the synagogue. But this woman breaks in because something in her tells her that man 
in there can touch my life and can heal me. And when Jesus sees her, he looks at her and calls her daughter of Abraham. And I love that because he was going pre-Moses. You know, the people of that time were so concerned about Moses and the law and what that meant. And that's where their base of understanding of God was coming from. But God went back to Abraham who simply believed God and it was credited to him, given to him as righteousness. You know, that's how we get righteousness. We don't strive, we believe. And that's the way Abraham was considered righteous. And so God looks at this woman, probably offending some because he's getting ready to heal a woman on the Sabbath and you weren't allowed to do that. And then he calls her, O daughter of Abraham. And when she looks up, Jesus touches her and heals her completely. And of course, this rouses the religious leaders. They get angry and they get upset and they confront him and they actually try to run him out. And before they do it, Jesus says this, look, you guys have been trying all your lives to become righteous and holy by all these good works. But there's going to come a day when God looks at you and says, I don't know you. Depart from me. And if you read the rest of Luke chapter 13 in context, Jesus is saying that none of these works that you're doing to try to be holy is going to be successful. You're going to have to believe like this daughter of Abraham who simply walked in with a simple childlike faith and received her healing even in the midst of of some religious ridicule and disdain, particularly the owner of the synagogue. He was ready to ask Jesus to leave. Look, you're stirring things up by doing this. You've healed a woman on the Sabbath day and you're not supposed to do that. And what I find interesting about that is here it is, the miracle power of God Almighty touches this woman and she miraculously raises up from being hunched over for 18 years. Can you believe that? She's been looking at her feet for all these years and one glimpse of Jesus changes everything and a miracle takes place, but people's minds are so religiously blind that they can't see the miracle right in front of them. That's the problem with religion. Religion really cuts God out. It's trying to please God and get closer to God, but what it really does is it blinds us from what God is really doing through His grace. And Jesus is not addressing the people that are listening to his teaching as much as he is addressing the religious leaders. The scripture tells us right there in Luke 13 and 24, he says, strive to enter the narrow gate for there will be many who will try to get in, but they won't be able to because they think that it's by works. He's actually addressing the religious leaders. And then he goes on later in chapter 13 and he starts naming all of these works, all of these things that you think you can get to God by doing. You're going to look at God one day and say, God, I did all these things. I, I gave to the poor. I came to the church. I fasted. I prayed. I got involved in the food lines. I sang in the choir and did all these things. And God would say to you, I don't even know you. What he's saying right there is that it's those things that don't get you through the narrow door. It's a narrow door. It's not all these things that are around you. The Bible says broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way. And there's very few that find it. It doesn't mean it's hard and that you have to strive to get through this little spot with God and push hard and do more. It's just saying that all of these things that we try to do to be righteous and to be holy is not the way. It's very narrow and it's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. If you want to find God, you got to come through me. Hey guys, I want to take just a few moments right here in the middle to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a generous review, give us five stars and tell us what you think. 
and then share this podcast with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you're hearing today. And I want to encourage you to go to my YouTube channel, watch the videos every single week, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notifications so you'll know when the new content is coming out, and then like the videos and share the videos as well. You know, it's our heart and our desire here to help people discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of their life. And when you discover that you can stop striving for God's favor and know that it is a gift, a free gift given to you through Jesus Christ, it'll change everything about the way you live your life. And that's what this channel is all about. So let's jump back into the podcast today. We're talking about stopping the striving. Hey guys, real quick, I want to talk to the married couples for a minute. You know, in marriage, there's a lot of striving. The Bible says where there is striving and envying, there does every evil thing exist. And marriages are on the brink right now. You know, the statistics of divorce are at an all-time high. And a few years ago, God inspired me to write a book to married couples that would help them apply this grace that I talk about in the marriage. And the name of the book is called The Grace Made Marriage. You know, when I wrote this book, God promised me that it would save a marriage that would change the world. And my wife and I do marriage conferences all across the country, both online and in person. We've talked to so many married couples and we found out that they want to be able to apply the same grace I'm talking about in their marriage. And so I encourage you to get your hands on this book. I can't tell you the number of people that have come to me and said, Tony, this book has helped me to relax and enjoy my spouse and enjoy my marriage and to apply this awesome grace that you teach us. And I believe that grace isn't just to know, but it's also to apply in the practical, critical areas of your life. Get your copy today. You can get it right off of amazon.com. You can get a digital copy on Kindle, and you can also get it right at my website at tonysutherland.com. So let's jump right back into this awesome teaching about the marvelous grace of God. You see, under the old covenant, the old religious system, you had to strive with God. Under the new covenant, the new and better way, there is no more striving and contention with God. He has removed all the barriers. No more walls, no more fences, no more veil, no more hand put out to stop you, no more partitions or dividing lines, no more restrictions. You may come to him freely. Wow, it's amazing. In fact, God did everything to remove everything that would stop you from getting to him. God says, if that's going to stop you, I got to get rid of it because I don't want you to have any roadblocks or anything that would stop you from getting to me. Some people say, yeah, Tony, but sin stops us from even praying. The Bible says, if I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And yes, that's true, old covenant. But now God has removed everything so that we can come. I mean, if sin stopped us from getting to Jesus, none of us would get there. Sinners, and saints alike. You can't get rid of your sin before you come to Jesus. You can't make things right before you come to Jesus. You can't do everything you need to do before you come to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, trying to strive, trying to fight, trying to be righteous, trying to wrestle with your faith. Stop striving. Stop wrestling. Rest. Hashtag relax. 
with God. There's no more fighting. There's no more straining. Even if there's sin in your life right now, even if you're struggling through issues, and I'm pretty sure everyone who's watching this video right now has got some serious issues. And if sin were to keep you from getting to God and getting all the blessings that have already been given to us in Christ, then none of us would have them because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, and I alluded to this verse earlier, but I'm going to put the words on the screen so you can kind of get a clear perspective of what's going on here. So Jesus is addressing a Jewish crowd, minds that have not yet been fully enlightened to the kingdom, and he's introducing the kingdom in his teachings. And, you know, amongst them are the common people, the people that have lived their whole lives believing that you have to be completely perfect to get close to God. No wiggle room, according to the old covenant. And then amongst those people, you have legalizers and Judaizers and priests and Pharisees who are listening in as Jesus is reasoning and trying to enlighten uh, the people's minds with the gospel that is about to come. This is pre-cross and pre-resurrection. And so Jesus says uh, to the people, he says, enter through the narrow gate. Watch this. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. What he's saying here is that up until this point, all of you feel like the way to God is to do this and do that and obey this and obey that and the 600 plus laws that are required for you to walk in holiness and be accepted by God. And he says up until this point, that's how all of you are trying to get in. You all are trying to get in through good behavior and striving with God and wrestling with God and, and trying to the precise measurement meet every standard and demand of the law. And that's the way that leads to destruction. And Jesus is saying you got to enter through the narrow gate. I'm the door. I'm narrow. And that's why people can't get it because their minds are narrow. They're, they're open to all these other ways to get to God. But I'm coming to introduce to you the new way. It's through me. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that's why he is saying stop striving because you don't strive to get through the door. You walk through the door. You just simply believe, simply receive, and give your life to me, and by that, you will be saved forever. You have a place in heaven, and you will make it, not on your own merit, not on your own doing, not on your own works, but by Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the people that are listening to Jesus right now? They're going, it's that easy? Oh man, I don't know about that. If it's so narrow and it's hard to get through, then why did God give us all these things? Well, you see, God gave the law to us to show us how impossible it is to have a relationship with God through works and effort. Now, let me say something real quick. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. You know, Paul said, I labor more abundantly because of the grace of God that's in me. Grace doesn't make us passive. Grace doesn't make us lazy. Grace doesn't make us want to go out and sin and live a loose life and live an unholy life. But what he's saying here is that that is not how you earn righteousness through good behavior. You get righteousness because Christ earned it for you. You see, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to striving and, and trying and struggling to keep your righteousness and to stay a child of God and to make it to heaven. Guys, you're already there. You're seated with him. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Not because you did anything to get in, but because you were placed in Christ the minute you believed 
and received. Now, I want to address a scripture that I'm sure is coming up for some of you. It came up for me a lot, especially in my early days of coming into the grace revelation, because you see, I was a striver. I was a doer. I was a worker. I was diligent. I, I felt like God wanted me to, to inspire people to strive harder after God and to do more and to be more. And of course, we've learned in past videos that the gospel never points to self-improvement. It's good to be better. It's good to strive to grow in your area of expertise and be healthier and be a better parent, and a husband and a father. But, but this is not the gospel. And so this scripture came up for me a lot. And it's that passage where Paul said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on, there it is, to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus, watch this, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, watch, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is not saying I'm striving for salvation. I'm striving to stay saved. I'm struggling to get to heaven. I got just a few more steps left in my journey and I want to get there and I'm going to do everything I can. No, no. He's talking about his calling, his passion to share the gospel of grace. This one thing I do, I press toward the prize of Jesus to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And Paul was so consumed with the gospel of Jesus that his straining and his striving wasn't to get to heaven, but was to know Christ and to make him known. Paul wasn't straining straining to get close to God and striving to make it to heaven. He knew that already. He knew that his name was written down. He had told the Ephesians that you've been accepted by grace in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 2, for we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of striving, not of struggling, lest any man should boast. We're seated with Christ. We're already there. Our names are written down and we don't have to strive for that. And knowing that, believing that truth will cause us to get more excited for God and will cause us to press toward the call that's on our lives to know Christ and to make him known. I'm going to tell you again, child of God, believer, saint, Christian, stop striving. Stop straining and struggling to get close to God. Closeness to God is a free gift to you. Stop struggling to be who you already are through Christ. Jesus paid the price. Jesus did everything. And because he did all the work, you can rest in that. And from that rest that Paul tells us to enter into, come on guys, this is so powerful. We'll do more than we ever did before because of the grace that's working in us. Man, that is all the time we have left for today. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this short little excerpt from my latest YouTube video, Stop Striving. And I want to encourage you to actually go watch the videos. It's so much more interesting and more fun. We've got a lot of stuff going on on the screens. We include all of our scripture references for future study. And uh, it's just a way for us to help people understand the gospel of grace, building a case for the foundation of new covenant grace. You know, it changes everything about your life once you get the revelation. And so we're sowing seeds and pulling weeds every week, trying to help people understand and embrace what Jesus has truly done for them. And when you do that, when you discover 
what Christ has really done for you, you'll discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every single area of your life. And that's what this podcast is about. That's what my YouTube channel is about. And I hope you keep coming back every week to both platforms so we can encourage you in the Lord. Hey, listen, I'll be back again real soon with another encouraging teaching, something to help you discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of your life. And until then, we'll see you.